The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. The last summer, I felt a shadow come over me. So if you know me, you know that I am generally a pretty buoyant, upbeat person. Like when crises come, like that's when I kick it into high gear with great energy. And it's very, very hard to keep me down. But this was something different. I would wake up in the morning not wanting to get out of bed and dread just settling like a dead weight on my chest as I thought about facing the day. And this lingering sense of something akin to grief, but I couldn't point, pinpoint what it was that I was grieving. I struggled to pray, which is really tough when you're a priest. <laughs> and I just felt hollowed out, you know, like there was nothing in me to give. And this was both like perplexing and guilt inducing because my life is full of so much blessing, like blessings that I know so many people don't have. And I couldn't explain it. It's not like, you know, nothing bad was happening in my life. I have a loving husband and a great family. I have good friends, meaningful work, wonderful church community. There's food on the table, a roof over my head. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe it's undiagnosed depression. You know, maybe it's residual collective trauma from the past three years that we've all experienced. You know, maybe I'm so exhausted that I don't have the emotional reinforcements that used to hold up my spirit. And just like the immense sadness of the world and of people's lives, and my own sadness is finally just settling into my bones. Now, some of you are like, man, this is a depressing way to start off a Christmas sermon. <laughs> like, where's joy to the world? You know, especially if you only come to church like once a year, you're like, I'm never coming back again. That lady is a downer. <laughs> or maybe, you know, you hear me and there's a glimmer of recognition because this past year you have felt something akin to what I have felt. You know, what lingers with me even tonight as I'm standing before you on this Christmas Eve. So what did I do? I kept waking up, getting out of bed, going through the motions of my day. Like I couldn't pretend that it wasn't dark. Like I couldn't pretend that I could see the way before me. And so it was just one breath and then another breath, one step and then another step, just moment by moment, day after day, walking and learning how to walk in the darkness. So we just ended the season of Advent, and it's four weeks of preparation that lead up to Christmas. And then in the Episcopal Church, we celebrate 12 days of Christmas starting today. And every year, I always say that Advent is my favorite season of the church calendar. And honestly, I, I think actually I love Advent more than I love Christmas. But um, Advent is my favorite season. Now, if, if you're not familiar with the church calendar, it's a way that the church tells time, not by the calendar year that starts on January 1, but it's a way of telling time that's oriented around a story. 
the story of God as revealed in the person of Jesus. So Advent is like our January. So we start with Advent, and it's all about longing and waiting and expectation. And the reason why Advent always resonates with me is because it feels the most true to me and to our world, because it's about light and darkness. It's about joy and sorrow. It's about the already and the not yet. And it's rooted in this ancient longing of the people of Israel that God had promised a Messiah for them to come and rescue them and deliver them from their oppressors. And so there's this poignancy about Advent that I love because it names the reality that things are not now how they should be, while also holding on to this vision of a greater reality of how things were meant to be. Children should not go to bed hungry at night. People should not be living on the streets. Young men should not be dying on Rikers Island. Nations should not be at war with each other. We should never be okay with any of these realities. But the people who were caught up in the story of God in the Gospel of Luke, they saw that vision of this greater reality. You know, think of Mary singing this prophetic song that her mighty God would cast down the mighty of this world from their thrones and lift up the lowly, that he would fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. I mean, somebody tweet that to Elon Musk, you know? In a world like ours, like that's crazy talk. And that's why in Advent, we light candles. So you might notice over here, there's our Advent wreath. And as the days get shorter and the darkness grows longer, we light one candle more each week. Like we don't pretend that we're not walking in darkness. Like it is very real. But it's not the only reality, nor is it the greater reality. So tonight, we make this turn from Advent to Christmas from longing to fulfillment. And we light the Christ candle at the center. And I was noticing it's a little sad looking flame <laughs> for some reason, but just imagine that that Christ candle, there's a flame that's burning there that represents the light of Christ. To remind us, as John said, that the light has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light those who live in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And this light, it's not some like abstract metaphor for enlightenment. Like people think that Christianity is primarily a set of beliefs that one subscribes to, but that's actually not accurate. Christianity is primarily a story about a person, Jesus. And it's a story of a loving God, this loving creator who intervenes in human history by sending his own son, Jesus, into the world to be born of the woman, Mary, to become a human being, to live and die as one of us. And by his death, resurrection, and ascension, he's making all things new. And we are part of that story, of that healing and restoration of the world. The light is someone. 
And that light did not descend from heaven with lightning and thunder and a military parade and like awesome guitar solos playing in the background and like guns blazing. That light was God humbling God's self and coming into the world as the most vulnerable creature out there, a baby. Have you ever seen a baby? Babies eat, they sleep, they cry, they poop, and that's it. You know, babies are cute, but they can't do anything for themselves. And to think that that is how God chose to enter into our world. Like there are sometimes when even as a priest, I'm like, that's insane. Like I can't even believe that I believe that about God. But that is what our God is like. Because this God knows that to be human is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. And you cannot love without becoming vulnerable because love always comes close enough to be hurt. And if it doesn't, then that's not love. You know, when I see the tyrants of our world, it's like these petulant man-children who dominate our headlines. They're terrified of vulnerability. And in resisting it, what happens is they become less human, and then they lose their capacity to see the humanity in others, and they leave destruction in their wake. But not our God. The light of the world entered into the darkness of our world. The eternal became subject to time. The creature became, the cre creator became a creature. And the author of life became subject to death because of love for you and for me, for us. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. A fundamental shift in the universe happened on this night that forever changed the course of human history. It's what compelled Martin Luther King to say crazy things like the arc of the universe bends towards justice while getting beaten and thrown in jail because he believed with all of his heart that light has shined into the night of our world and nothing will ever be the same again. So even if you've come here tonight and you're saying, all I wanted was to sing joy to the world, and this lady's such a downer. I don't believe for a second that you don't feel what I'm talking about. And I also don't believe that you can enter into the real joy of that song until you've looked unflinchingly into that darkness, whether it's the darkness of our world or in your own heart, and let the reality of it and the depths of it, that sadness and that pain and that loss and longing and loneliness wash over you and actually befriend you. Because God in Christ is right there with you in the middle of it. Christmas is God as embodied nearness to you. And that name, Emmanuel, it means God with us. Not God over us or God before us, but God with us. And once you know and really grasp that you are not alone in the universe, but that you are seen and loved and known and held and treasured, 
I mean, that changes everything about how you move in this world, how you love in this world, you know, how you are, your very being in this world. So I'm just going to give us a minute tonight, just 60 seconds, to just sit with this, what I've put out here. And then I'm going to close us in a prayer, a blessing. So you can close your eyes if you like, or you can let your eyes settle on these candles up here that represent the light of Christ. And I just want you to reflect as you think over this past year, like what darkness have you been walking in this past year? Like what has been overshadowing you? What do you need from God tonight? How do you need the light of Christ to shine into your heart, into the lives of your loved ones, into our world? And what does your soul want to say to God about that right now? Just take a minute to connect with that. And let me close with this blessing by Jen Richardson called How the Light Comes. I cannot tell you how the light comes. What I know is that it is more ancient than imagining, that it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us that it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten, or in peril, or in pain. That it has a fondness for the body, for finding its way towards flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, the heart. I cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will, that it works its way into the deepest dark that enfolds you, though it may seem long ages in coming or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. And so may we this night turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we bend our bodies to follow the arc it makes. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. Amen.